Awesome. Well, hey, um, we have been doing camp here for uh, for many years. Actually, my first year at camp was when I was going into my ninth grade year. Going into my eighth grade year, I was the only person who signed up for camp. It was the first year of our church. And so Pastor Steve actually said earlier, we've been doing camp for 20 years, and it's kind of true. Uh, but the first year was just me, so we just went to Taco Bell, and that was our camp. And so... Because I was the only one who signed up. My brother made eight bracelets, eight hemp bracelets for everyone who was going to go to camp. And I was the only one who needed one. So um, that was our first year of camp. But we've been doing camp every year as a church. And part of the reason we've been doing it every year as a church is because before we were a church, Pastor Steve and Tina were youth pastors. And that was what they did every year. They did camp. Why do we do camp? Because something happens at camp. Something special happens at camp. And, you know, a lot of times we say the church isn't a building, it's not a place, it's the people. There's truth to that. But there's something significant when you get to a place together with some other people that something happens. There's significance here. I can remember moments that God spoke to me when I was in high school, right up at Timber Ridge up there, uh, when I was 17, 18 years old. Remember when I was 20 years old, 22 years old, and I proposed to Noel right up at Timberridge. I proposed right here. Now you might be saying, "Why'd you do it here?" I don't really know. It's not a cool story, um, and it's actually kind of it's like it was before Instagram proposals and stuff. So we had we had a digital camera up at the top taking the pictures of the back of our heads, and that's all we have. And so there's no good memories with it. We, you should have seen our outfits. It was embarrassing. But all that to say, there's something significant that happens in a place like this. And Pastor Steve and Tina have understood that for many years and have made it a priority in our church that we're able to do whatever we can to get anybody here because when we get here, God meets us here. Are you thankful for your pastors? Come on, are we thankful for amazing pastors who've established a legacy here, that you're all here, get this, you're all here because Pastor Steve and Tina were obedient many years ago to step out in faith and do something in the middle of nowhere, and now there's almost 200, well, there's more than 200 of us here right now, uh, that, not registered, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. It's not about me, okay? Here's what I will say. <laughs> I demand a recount. Okay, so we'll talk about it later, okay? It's a sensitive subject for me right now. But, uh, hey, so it's my honor. It's my honor and privilege to be able to, um, to follow in the footsteps of great pastors who were once youth pastors. And, you know, there's a true stay, saying that says, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor. And you, uh, you may uh, move on from youth ministry, but you never really move on from youth ministry. And That's I'm thankful right. for parents, that, parents and for pastors that understand that and have made it possible for us to be able to be here right now, enjoying God's presence together and uh, getting no sleep. And so can we stand to our feet and give honor to where honor is due and welcome Pastor Steve as he comes to bring the word tonight. you guys. Thank you so much, Taylor. And uh, I want to introduce my wife, Tina, right over here. Give it up for my wife. Stand up to your feet, baby. Stand up so they can see you. Hey, I, I want to say this. Um, you know, uh, when in 1980, I went to my first Christian camp. And it was at that camp that I saw God get a hold of me. I felt God get a hold of me. I sensed this presence, this overwhelming presence of what 
could be with my life. And up until that point, I was afraid of the future. I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of being lonely. I was afraid of so many things. Because I was only like 20 years old at the time. And, uh, but when I was at that camp, all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with this sense of everything's going to be okay. And not only is it going to be okay, is I've got a mission. And I'm going to answer it. And I just want to say this. Um, it was at that camp that I felt a call to make a difference in this world. And our, our church would not be here. This camp would not even exist if it hadn't been for that experience I had had that moment. So I'm saying that to you to understand that Taylor and Noel have created an experience for you to have a similar experience. And some of you may have come here and you don't know how you got here. Maybe you were forced to come. Maybe your parents made you come or else you're going to lose your phone or something. I don't know. Some of you might have come because your friends pressured you. Some of you, you still haven't figured out how you ended up here. You're just here, okay? And others, you were here last year, and you're like, man, I can't miss it because you understand what happens at these kinds of events. And so tonight is the first night uh, of four nights where you have the opportunity for God to really speak to you. And I just want to say thank you, Taylor and Noel, for being faithful to the vision because it, it takes a lot to pull off something like this. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of your heart. It takes time away from your family. And uh, you have, you've raised up such a great team. Can I see the hands of those that are either CITs or, or camp counselors here that are here? And, okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you for uh, answering the call. Thank you for being here for this group of young people. It's, it's amazing. Uh, I think that this uh, is turning into a movement more than a camp. I sense that something's happening. I sense that, that uh, what has been started here is going to be releasing young people into positions of leadership and, and influence in our community and in the world that is going to make a difference. So the next four days, I want you to listen very, very carefully to the different speakers that are going to be here because you don't know which one or at what time one of them is going to say something, including you parents and leaders. You don't know which one and at which time one little phrase or one little thought that comes from the divine speaks to your heart that changes your life forever. So be open, be ready to receive it, and you watch what happens. Tonight I want to talk to you about stepping out of the darkness. Stepping out of the darkness. Uh, let's look at this scripture in John chapter 11. If you have a Bible, you can look there. If you, have, if, if you, uh, if you don't have one, you can see it on the screen. Jesus is talking, and he says, uh, anyone, oh, he says, is there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. In other words, he sees the sun. The sun's illuminated his steps. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. You see, there's this, uh, this idea that you get to choose. You get to choose how you do your life, how you walk. You get to choose how you walk. And you, get, you can choose. You can either walk in the dark or you can walk in the light. You get to choose. Everybody gets to choose. Uh, and sometimes we choose to walk in the dark, and uh, bad stuff happens. You can stumble. And uh, I know this. I know this. Uh, recently, I stumbled. <laughs> and, uh, and I had, uh, it was a Sunday, Saturday night, and I was getting ready for uh, the next day to preach at church and everything. So I'm up, and my wife has already gone to bed. And uh, the night before, I had to leave my bed because I was making too much sn noise snoring. So I did, I, and, and it kind of disturbed my wife. So I got up and I went to the snoring room. You know what the snoring room is? Yeah. It's a room you go to to snore without anybody bugging you. 
Uh, you don't understand these things because you don't snore yet. But you, don't worry, you will. Uh, or somebody you marry will. So just realize this is in your future. I'm just giving you a pre, uh, just kind of a precursor to things to come. So I, got ban- I, I, I was banished to the snoring room the night before. And uh, I was very happy to go there because I just want to go snore, be by myself and sleep, okay? So Saturday night, I'm thinking, if I go back, if I go, Tina had already gone to bed. And so I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to go in the room and, uh, and then she's probably going to wake up because I still, I feel still clogged up and stuff. And that probably will wake her up. So I just go, go into the snoring room and forget all about it. And in the snoring room is these two little beds. And that's where Hayden has her jewelry and all her toys and all those, these kinds of things. And her, her princess dresses and things along those lines. And she has a couple rocking horses in there. Okay. And so there's this one little wooden rocking horse that is kind of like in between the two beds. And I was sleeping, happily snoring away. And somehow, I don't know, I must have got up to go to the bathroom or something. But it was dark in the room. I couldn't see nothing. And all I can remember is tripping on the rocking horse. And I fell head first into the end table. And land. I just went down like this and stopped. I, I almost hit the ground. But luckily my jaw hit the end table instead. And kept me from falling all the way to the ground. And almost broke my jaw and I, I, my arm hit the knob of the, of the dresser and just cut it. You can still see some of the marks. This wasn't too long ago, okay? And uh, so I'm, all of a sudden I hear this faint voice from the other room. Are you okay in there? And I, I get up and I kind of stumble and I could feel it kind of stung a little bit and I touch it and it was wet and it's and I looked, and there's blood, and, and, and I, I, I walked back into the bathroom, and, and Tina, <laughs> Tina says, you okay? And I said, yeah, I fell. I, it's okay. And I just fell. And I grabbed a wash rag and put it on my arm because I couldn't see it because it was way over here, right? And, uh, and so I covered it up, and I walked back into the, in the bedroom and tried to go back to sleep, but it kept falling off, and I could feel it was bleeding and getting all over the place. And so I get back up, and... Uh, and, uh, or I didn't get back up. I just reached up and took the pillowcase off the pillow and wrapped it around my arm so it would stop the bleeding. And uh, so I didn't know it was bad. I just thought it was a little cut or something along those lines. So the next morning I get up to pr- prepare for my message and everything, and I've got the pillowcase wrapped around there, and I didn't want to take it off yet because I did, wasn't ready to put a Band-Aid on it or anything. But about halfway through preparing for my message for that morning, I took it off, and I looked at it and go, oh, gosh. And all this skin right here was just ripped off and just hanging there, just nasty. And so Tina gets up, and, uh, and I had to tell her that we need to go to the hospital. I ended up getting 18 stitches. But that's what happens when people put end tables in bedrooms. <laughs> and so I'm thinking about starting some kind of legislation that, that prohibits end tables going into bedrooms. But anyway... But all my life, you know, I've always had this little fear of darkness, of, of being in the dark, okay? And so, like, at Grandma Murray's house, they had this, she was in this old house built in, like, the 1800s. And they had these crickety stairs that went down to this basement that nobody could go down. None of us kids were allowed to go down there. But I always wanted to go down there, but I was so scared because they were all these wooden steps. When you stepped on them, they kind of wiggled and they creaked as you went down there. And the floor was dirt underneath there, and it was dark. And all this stuff from years and years ago was underneath there. And there was one light bulb in the middle of the room that you had to pull one of those chains down to turn it on. And and to go in there, you'd have to walk all the way back in the dark and to, and to reach the thing. And no, none of my cousins and none of us were, uh, we were so scared to do it, none of us would do it. And we weren't supposed to go down there. But I remember we would go down the steps and get about the fourth step down and then turn around and run back up the step. And then sometimes we'd get down to the fifth step or the sixth step or the seventh step and we'd get all the way down and touch the dirt and then run up the door. It's the thing. But have you ever been in a place like that where all of a sudden you felt like something's chasing you and, and, you're, and you just start running and you know nothing's there but you feel something's there and you just start running? That's what it was like in Grandma Murray's ba- in basement. It was freaky. And so one time I went for the light. I just remember going for the light. 
and I get about three feet from the light, and I go to reach for it, and I thought I saw something move, and I turn around, and I ran up those steps so fast, I was skipping steps, and the whole way, I felt like there was this hand chasing me going all the way up the thing. Have you ever had that feeling? (laughs) So you all know this. We've all been there. We're all familiar what it's like to be in the dark. We know what this is like. The only person that I know on the planet that's not afraid of the dark is Cameron Murray. Cameron loves the dark. When he was a kid, when he was a little kid, when he was like Hayden's age, and, and, and even a little older than that, he actually, to this day, he's still this way. He likes it pitch black in the bedroom. And in his bedroom, he would like put tape over the little light that was on the, on the smoke detector because even that would keep him awake. When he's a little kid, we used to call him Cowboy Cameron because he used to, you know who Cameron is, right? Captain of the red team, that Cameron. <laughs> Captain Cameron. I think that's a new one, Captain Cameron. So anyway, Cameron, you know, he, he as, as a cowboy, you always wear a cowboy hat and you always wear boots. And so when Cameron would go to bed, he'd always want his cowboy hat and his cowboy boots. And we'd tell him, no, you just put your pajamas on. And so we literally would have to put him to bed every single night and tell him to stay in that bed. Because what he loved to do is get out of bed and go underneath his bed and get to the far back corner where it's the darkest it can be. Okay, he's four years old. And he's crawling under the bed to get to the darkest place. So I'd reach underneath the bed. Before I'd go to bed, he'd be under there. And I'd look, and I could see his feet. I'd grab his foot, and he'd have his cowboy boots, and I'd pull him out. And he's always buck naked every single time. Okay? There's just something about being naked in the dark that Cameron just loves. Okay? And I'd pull him out. And then we'd have to put him in the bed. And it was all good. But you know what? There are some people to this day, there are some people, some people that you know that are obsessed with the dark. And when I mean dark, I'm not just talking about the absence of light. There's other kinds of dark. You know, I just saw this, I was watching TV the other day, and I saw this trailer for the, the movie The Dark. Have you seen that? That trailer? Hopefully you haven't seen the movie. It's the creepiest thing I've ever seen. I was freaking out. I saw this thing, and I was like, oh, man. There's no way I would ever watch that movie. I'm just creeped out watching the trailer. Totally creeped out. I'm freaking out because this half-dead, undead person or whatever they call this gal or guy, whatever it was, I forget. But it was freaky because you could feel this presence. Have you ever been to a place where you felt a dark presence? You ever been to a place like that? Maybe you've been to somebody's house one time as a chaplain I go on calls when somebody gets in a car accident and dies. And so they'll call a chaplain to come to the scene to comfort the family. And so I'll go to comfort the family. Or if there was a house fire, or if there was a suicide, or there was a drug overdose, or something along those lines. Usually when there's somebody that passes away, they will call, and then one of the chaplains will show up. Well, one time I showed up at this house, and the young man had taken his life. And uh, so I was at the house with the family, talking to the family, most horrific scene I've ever said, and they wanted me to come see his bedroom. So I went into his bedroom. And when I went into his bedroom, I got creeped out because of the things that were on the wall, the lyrics that I read, the pictures, the artwork, the different things that he had done. It just was so creepy. It felt so dark. It felt so sad and lonely. Just the vibe of the bedroom made me feel so sad for this kid. And I can see why he wound up in a place where he wanted to end his life. There's this darkness that you can feel. You can feel it coming off of certain people. When people get hopeless or when people want to do things that hurt others or that disrespect others 
or that attack others or that gossip about others. There, there comes a place where it's not just a bad thing, it's a dark thing. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever experienced that darkness? Sometimes we experience it at school. Sometimes we see it in the neighborhood. Sometimes we even see it in our own families where we see darkness where you can feel it. It's the vibe. You can feel the vibe. There's this energy, this dark feeling. And then there's this spiritual darkness. There's a spiritual darkness that can come on people, that can just kind of come on you and weigh heavy on you. Some of you are familiar with this. You know what it's like when it's almost like this cloud comes in and you feel this depression this hopelessness, this despair. I mentioned it earlier, but there were three fears that I had or three things that I was scared of. And I think maybe some of you can relate to these. I was afraid of the future. Like you could feel it. It was like this, this fear, this spiritual heaviness on me when I was 17 years old. I was afraid of the future because I wasn't I was afraid of what the earth was going to do. I was afraid that we were going to have World War Three. I was afraid of governments rising up against governments. I was fearful of the future. And I was afraid of my own future. I didn't think I would be able to live to be an old man. I didn't think I'd ever live to be married. I didn't think I'd ever live to have kids. Because the future looked so dark. It was like this spiritual cloud of hopelessness, this fear that was on top of me. It was darkness. And it weighed heavy on me. Sometimes I'd wake up in the middle of the night thinking the end of the world was coming. I was afraid. I was, I was spiritually dark. Do you know anybody that's spiritually dark? Do you know anybody that's afraid of the future? I was also afraid of failure. I thought, you know, I'm never going to make it at school. I don't know if I'll graduate. I'll never go to college. I was afraid. I had this fear that was over me. It was like a spiritual cloud that was on me. You ever known somebody like that? They're afraid of failing. Some of us are afraid of taking tests. We're afraid of asking somebody the problem. We're afraid of our future. Some of us are afraid of being bullied. Afraid to go to school because we don't know what's going to happen at school this week, this day. And so we're afraid. Some of us are afraid to even go to church because we're, 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 we're not sure what our spiritual condition is. And so there's this darkness, this spiritual darkness that kind of looms over. But there's also another fear that I had was that fear of being alone and uh, sometimes that fear of being alone just doesn't seem to leave it just sticks with you and um, some of you came to camp you overcame a very big fear just being here because you looked at that crowd of people registering and you said oh God I don't know a soul here and I doubt anybody will even talk to me. That fear of loneliness, being alone, even in a crowd. Many of us are around people a lot, but we're always feeling alone. And that being left alone is a big fear. Remember when you were a little kid and you got lost in the, in the mall? Did anybody ever get lost in the mall? Okay, look at all the people that got lost. What's... what's <laughs> well, you're easy to get lost, man. It's easy. But it's like, a serious business. Is that the most sinkiness feeling that you've ever had? Thinking, I'll never see my mom and dad again. Yes. Yeah. Some of you are like going, I hope that happens. You know, but no. Seriously. When you're a little kid, you're like freaking out. You're freaking out because your mom's gone and you're at the fair or you're at Disneyland or you're somewhere like that. And you are just freaked out. And the reality is, 
Every time I get called on one of those chaplain calls where somebody takes their life, almost every time it has something to do with being alone. Even though they're surrounded by people, they feel alone. It's a big fear that I had of being alone that maybe I'll, I'll never get married. Maybe I'll never have friends. Some of, some of you know what that's like. But it's like this spiritual cloud of darkness. It just weighs kind of heavy on top of us. You know, uh, spiritual darkness is kind of like zombies. You know how zombies are. They physically can move, right? Their bodies can move, but they don't have a spirit. They're half dead and half alive. Their body moves, but they have no spirit. They have no soul. Their soul is gone. And so what Jesus does is Jesus comes to this state of darkness and helps uncover this light that lives within the soul that's been buried for a long, long time. I remember the story I told the other day at church. But maybe you weren't there when I told it, so I'm going to tell it again. There was a little girl, or, uh, yeah, a little girl about Hayden's age, about three years old. And she had a little brother like Jude that was about eight weeks old. And she kept wanting to go into the baby's bedroom when the baby was napping. And mom says, no, the baby needs to take this nap. And you can't disturb the baby. Oh, mommy, please, I need to talk to the baby. I need to talk to the baby. And she says, no, the baby's got to take a nap. So mom sits down. She's got one of those little monitors like Taylor and Noel have for Jude. And, uh, and she hears the, the little girl go into the bedroom. She hears the door open and walks in there. So she says, mom gets up and runs in there grabs the little girl out and says, no, you can't go in there. Baby's got to sleep. So about an hour goes by, and little three-year-old's playing with toys, and, and the mom all of a sudden hears something, and the three-year-old had left the toys, had gone in the bedroom, and she just, mom decided to just listen to see what she does. And she was shaking the bed saying baby baby wake up wake up wake up I need you to tell me what he looks like wake up baby I need you to tell me what he looks like I'm starting to forget and the mom heard that and all of a sudden she realized what was happening when that child, that baby, is alive in the womb, connected to the mother and connected to the, the one who made him, he's alive. He's got the light. He's got the connection, the relationship. He's in this perfect garden of Eden, if you will, this place where every need is met and the comfort of God and the comfort of the mother is right there. The three-year-old is wanting the baby to refresh her memory of what God is like. Why? Because as she's getting older, she's starting to forget. Have you ever thought about this? How far back can you remember? You can go back to maybe two years old. That's about it. But you know what? Before you were two, you were very connected to the Lord. You were very connected to God. But then as you grew up, things started covering up the light. Let's look at this. Can we turn off the light, the house lights? So, Let's say this is your soul. This is the soul. This is the part of you that isn't like a zombie. This is the part of you that is your spirit. 
your heart, your memory, your will, your emotions, the love that you feel. It's all captured in the soul. In the soul is where the conscience lives. In the soul is where God connects to you and speaks. And so sometimes we say, God spoke to me. And really what we're saying is we're just sensing that we're supposed to do something. Or we're sensing that something's not good. Or we're sensing that this is a dark place. Don't go there. And that light within us comes on and awakens certain parts of our soul. It awakens our creativity. It awakens our love for people. It awakens our understanding of what's right and what is good and what is, is healthy for ourselves. The soul is very connected to the divine nature of God. But as, as we grow up and we come into this earth and you see little babies with these bright eyes and they're looking around and, and they're just so ready to experience the world and their eyes are big and they're looking and taking it all in. They're coming from the place where they were fearfully and wonderfully made and created in the image and likeness of God. But they enter into this world that's full of sin and wrong and dark and hopelessness. And, and, and there's other good things as well. But just slowly but surely they learn how to be the center of their own universe. And pretty soon, that connection, that life, that awareness, that understanding gets covered up. And even though the light is still there, it's now covered up by the callousness of this world. Then all of a sudden, as a child gets older, there's opportunities to understand who God is and to understand how Jesus came to awaken our awareness of the light that can live within us. In the book of John, it says that, that I am the light of the world. Jesus says this. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, will not stumble, because they have the light that leads to life. There it is. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to light. This is a choice. And at different points in your life, you start getting reconnected with the one who made you. You coming to UD or coming to this camp may be the time when the light, which was covered up, gets sparked again. And each night this week, you feel it getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. It's the goal. When we talk about the soul, we're saying we want to we wake up your hope. We want to wake up your picture of the future so that you're no longer afraid. We want, we want you to realize that the truth is, yeah, you can fail at things, but no, when you have Christ, you all of a sudden have new insights and new wisdom and new hope and new ideas and new confidence in yourself and now instead of being afraid of the test, now you have a little bit of courage because you know that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You know these things. So the light starts to go. And so what happens is, is we start stepping out of that darkness and we start stepping into the light. And the more we step towards the light, the more we get to enjoy what God originally intended us to enjoy, which is this life and life more abundant. That's what it's all about. Guys, some people think that, that Christianity or following Jesus is this thing about all the things you can't do. Oh, no, it's about all the things you get to do. 
It's all about the life you get to live. It's all about the fact that you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be afraid of the future. You don't have to be afraid of failing. You don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Why? Because you are now surrounded by like-minded people that are following after the same light. And as we collectively follow after the light, it does something to your soul. It wakes you up. It, it makes you, remi- reminds you of the way that you were made and the person you were meant to have relationship with. And all of a sudden now, instead of it being a religion and instead of it being this thing you have to do, now it's this thing that frees you. And it's this thing that gives you hope and life and energy. And, and it's a beautiful thing. In order for you to enjoy and step out of the darkness and into the light, to enjoy the light and to step out of the darkness, there's a couple things you got to do. First one, you got to follow Jesus. Now, when I say follow Jesus, what I mean by that is is that Jesus, the, the scripture says that Jesus is the prince of peace, okay? So following Jesus means that there are certain things in your life that you value. And one of them is his peace. Peace with God, peace with people. And so instead of being self-centered, you become others-focused. And by doing that, you have peace with people. Does that make sense? I know it's kind of hard for you guys to see. Maybe we can just give just enough so that they can write, because some of them are trying to write. Just enough. There you go. There you go. Can you, can you write there? All right, because I know a bunch of you are writing. Hey, listen, it's good to write and take notes like so many of you are doing right now, because I'll tell you this. You want that light to get a little bit brighter? You really want to download this stuff because it will give you the energy and the insight to allow that light to get brighter. But you got to follow Jesus. And following Jesus isn't like being, being this weirdo. It's about just saying, you know what? I'm, I'm choosing not to follow my own self. I'm not following my own wants and desires. I'm, I'm learning to, to, to follow after Jesus' wants and desires. And he was the prince of peace. And so I'm going after the peace thing. He was also a forgiver. And so this is something I'm going to practice. I'm going to practice forgiving. Instead of holding grudges against my parents, I'm just going to let it go. I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit being a jerk to my parents just because they do things I don't like or just because I think they're too strict or just because they won't let me have Instagram or just because they won't let me have my phone back or just because all that stuff. You know what? Life's too short to stay mad at people. And Jesus shows us that he was willing to go to a cross to forgive people. And if he was willing to die for forgiveness, we can at least have a good attitude at dinner. Okay? And so, guys... Gals, listen, when we follow after Jesus, what are we doing? We're saying, we, we see this attribute that Jesus had, that he was really forgiving. Uh, and instead of judging, he went and helped the lady that was caught in adultery. He went and helped the man that was demon-possessed. He went and loved the unlovable. Because he was a forgiving, grace-filled man was connected to the divine. I want you to see this. Following Jesus is about connecting to those things. Making peace, forgiving. You know what else it's connected to? Serving. Jesus said this. He says, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you must be a servant of all. And so what do we do? We serve. We're not always just looking for what we can get. We're looking for what we can give. Let me ask you this. If you were to add up your contribution at home, what you bring to the table at your house, in your home, with your family, when you take a look at your home, your yard, your, your house, your, your, your refrigerator, your garage, your, your driveway, and all these things, what do you bring home? What do you bring to the table Do you know how much work it is to have a home? Do you know how much work it is to take care of a house? Do you know how much work it is to put the meals together and all these kinds of things? Some of you know because you bring a lot to the table because you're doing it all. 
I get that. But some of us need to realize that if you're going to be a Christian, it's not about just trying to get to heaven. It's about being a servant of all. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you become a servant of all. Instead of, instead of your parents serving you and what you can get all the time, you're, 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 think, you're racking your brain. What can I do for my mom this week? What can I do for my dad? What can I do for my brother or sister? What can I do for my family? What can I do for this place that we live in? How can I show my gratitude? This is what being a Christian is all about. This is how we roll. This is what we do, guys. This is what UD does. We bring it home. If you've been coming to UD for six months and your parents don't see a change at home, then maybe all this is is a trend and a fad for you. But if you'll let the light go on inside of you, I'm telling you, you'll bring it. You'll bring it. Here's another thing. If you want to step out of darkness and follow the light, you've got to learn to shut down the dark voices. You see, there's some dark voices that speak to some of us, and some of us have been hearing for a long time that we're stupid, that we're ugly, that we're fat, that we're not, we're never going to have friends, we're never, we're not a good friend, nobody would want to be our friend, we have nothing to offer, we have no gifts, we have no talents, and, and what you're doing is you're allowing the darkness to stick around you. And instead of stepping out of the darkness, you're like dragging the darkness with you everywhere you go. Because that voice that you keep hearing that's condemning you and smashing you down, it needs to be shut down. You got to shut it down. You got to shut down the voice. You got to shut down the voice. You got you to just literally, there will be times when I hear that voice speak in my head. And remind me of all my faults or all my stupid things that I've done in my lifetime or whatever. And sometimes literally outside, outside myself, I'll just say, shut up. Tina, one time I said, shut up. And Tina was in the other room and she goes, who are you talking to? <laughs> Nobody worth mentioning. Just a dark voice. Just a dark voice. Some of you guys need to shut down that voice. Because somebody said something to you that was really, really bad. I, Ed said the other day that his girlfriend in high school broke up with him and told him that God told her that she could do better. Uh, we laugh about it now because we know he's happily married and, and, and uh, he did better. But, right? So, so we get that. Okay, but we laugh about it because it's kind of like, whoa, that really stings. That, and you know what? It's not funny when you're all alone and you hear that voice speaking to your head, right? It messes you. Maybe she misunderstood God's voice. Maybe she could have done better at being Ed's girlfriend. Maybe he misunderstood it. But she lost out, and Brittany won. So there you go. So we got to shut down the voices, guys. The voices. If you want to step out of the darkness, the third thing you want to do is you want to start taking the light to people. You know, some of us are happy just sitting in the light. But every once in a while, I see a young person step out of their own world and begin to take the light with them. You got to take the light with you. You got to bring it someplace. We see this happening. People get connected. They get baptized. The light goes on. They start being, they start getting connected to the things of God. And they start walking past some of their dark days and some of their dark deeds and all those kinds of things. And the light starts shining in their own soul. And uh, then they start inviting people to church. You start inviting people to devos. We start inviting people to be involved with summer camp. We start inviting people to be engaged in different projects or go on a mission trip, go to the Dream Center. 
and you start spreading the light. And uh, it's one thing to find the light for yourself. It's another thing to spread the light. And, uh, and at this camp, you're going to get some ideas of how you can shine your light bright other places. Uh, oh, I do want to say this. Some of you are very spiritually alive already. You've been coming around the things of God. Some of you have, since the time you were Hayden's age, you were hearing about the things of God. And so this is nothing new to you. This is something that's just part of who you are. It's just something what you were born into. And that's a beautiful thing. It's awesome. That's what we hope for all of our kids. But uh, you have a job to do. And then while you're at this camp, I want you to know is that there's this light that burns bright inside of you and it illuminates things that you can help other people with at this camp. And you may be sitting at lunch or sitting in this room or sitting in, uh, standing in praise and worship or something along those lines and something on the inside says, you know, you need to go tell so-and-so that God loves them. And you're like, hmm, really? And then so you walk over there and you just go over there and you tell, hey, I just, you know, we were singing... And I just felt like I was supposed to tell you God loves you. And all of a sudden, they boom. They go, oh, man, I was just thinking God didn't love me. I thought he was mad at me. What is that? That's the light on the inside of you being used to serve others. And so I want you to be aware of this. There's going to be times at this camp where you're going to hear something on the inside. And it's going to be for somebody else. It's not for you. It's for somebody else. And as you are obedient to that, you will help turn the light on bright for somebody else. Make sense? Here's number three. Or actually number four. You got to forget the past and let God show you where you're headed. So in Philippians... There's this passage that says, Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying this one thing. He says, this one thing I do, I forget the things that lie behind me, and I press on to what lies ahead. Some of us are so focused on what lies behind us, or we're so focusing on what's right in front of us right here, right now, that we don't look to see where we're headed. And the thing about a light is a light is something that you move towards. So like if you were ever lost at sea, you could find your way by seeing the lighthouse. If you're lost in the woods, you look for the moon and you follow the stars. If you're ever, if you're ever in a situation like I was when I was hiking up in the mountains I went to go get some water and I got lost and it got dark and I couldn't find my way back to my, my campsite. And so I had to look for the light of the city that was down in the valley and navigate my way back to my campsite by looking at the light of the city. But the way that we need to remember is that there is... When we follow the light, we have to forget what was behind us. And here's a thought. The word forget is made up of two words, for and get. For means forward. It's the, it's the part of looking forward for getting. So when you look forward... At what you want and what God has for you, you are going after what you can get. Okay? So forget means you're looking forward, not backwards. And so forgetting the things that lie behind means that you've turned your back on the things that you've done wrong. The things that you feel ashamed of. The things in your past that were broken. The things that people did to you. The bullying that took place. The betrayal that took place. The abuse that took place. 
Forgetting doesn't mean you, you cease to remember. Forgetting means you've turned a new direction and you're going for what you want. Forgetting means that you have chosen to go a new direction. You have chosen to follow the light and not look at the darkness. And some of you have got these pains of the past that are weighing really heavy. And as the band comes, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the darkness that you've stepped out of to come to this camp. The darkness that you stepped out of when you said, I want to be baptized. The darkness you stepped out of when you said you wanted to go forward and pursue the things of God. The darkness you stepped out of because you didn't like how life was going. And so you chose to follow this life that leads to happiness and fulfillment and a future and a hope. Beautiful things. And when you turn away from what was and you say, I want the light. I'm moving towards the light. What you're doing is you're forgetting. You're, you're facing your future now with light and hope and a beautiful future. You don't know what it looks like. You just know you're getting something beautiful. You don't know what it looks like. You don't know who your spouse will be. You don't know where you'll be living. You don't know what your career is going to be yet. You got some ideas. You have some hopes. But if you keep staring back at the darkness, what will you do? Well, the scripture says those that travel at night stumble into darkness. We stumble when we walk backwards. But when we choose to forget, we're not ceasing to remember. All those things are still back there. You'll never forget them. As far as cease to remember, you'll never cease to remember. But you have something new preoccupying you. Yeah, that did suck. But this is looking better and better every day. Some of you, you almost kind of got hopeless. You felt like there was no future. You could identify with being afraid of the future. You could identify with failing. You could identify with possibly being left alone your whole life. You get it. You understand it. But the light's coming on now. The light's coming on. Instead of saying, I don't want that, start saying, this is what I some of you, your vision of the future is what you don't want. You have a picture of what you don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to be in this house anymore. I don't want to be in this abusive situation anymore. I don't want to be in this bad relationship anymore. I don't want to be in this bad sin anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't want. want and it's all what you don't want. That's how you look at your future is through what you don't want. Forget that. Forget this. Forget. Go after the light and get it. And as you pursue it, all the stuff that was holding you back will begin to fade. Oh, you won't forget it. You don't want to forget it. Let me tell you why. When you're following the light, you need those stories. When you're following the light, you take the wisdom you got from going through that and you take it you take it with you because you're, you put it in your, your little bag that you carry with you. Your pain, oh, that situation with your parents, you put that in your backpack. Oh, that situation with your sibling, oh, you mean losing your grandparents? Oh, you mean the, the loss that you felt when your dad and your mom divorced? You put that in your backpack. Because there's going to be a day you're going to run across somebody that's had the same story as you. And you're going to pull out of your backpack one of those stories because you didn't, you didn't cease to remember. Oh, you, you remember, all right. And you can identify with the pain they're feeling. But then you can say, you know what, I get, I get where you're coming from because this is what happened to me. This is what I went through. And let me tell you something. It hurt. It hurt bad. It was hard. But guess what? I chose to go after the light. And I started moving towards what I get. I started moving away from all that pain. And I want to invite you to do the same. Do you know Jesus? 
you ever been baptized? Have you ever given your life to God to allow Him to let the light shine in your soul? I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe some of you are here today and you got some stuff in your past. Maybe you need to put your book underneath your chair and get ready to deal with some of that stuff. Some of you have had some pretty hurtful experiences. You can't keep it, get out of your mind. It's been bothering you for a long time. It's time for you to start moving towards the light. If you're here tonight and you'd say, Pastor Steve, I've got some stuff going on in my life. I got some things that are pretty painful, that are hard for me to quit looking at. But I realized tonight I need to get my eyes focused in on what I get as I follow after the things of God. If that's you, I want you to come down here and kneel before the Lord and allow Him to help you refocus towards the light. I really think that God wants to do something. Who is that that needs that? Just come on down. Just come on down. Just kneel right here. Just sit. Kneel where you can see the light. You can leave it behind. You can leave it behind and move towards the light. talking right now, I'm just sent, I'm seeing this picture of, the, of a young man who's had some pretty dark things spoken over him. I don't know if you're in here tonight, but you've had some things spoken over you either by an influential male or your own father. And you need to move past those words that were spoken over you. They limit you, they hold you back, and they're painful. I also sense that there's a young man that's been bullied, been picked on, laughed at, humiliated. And you're so embarrassed to tell anybody about it because it was so shameful, so humiliating. I think you need to deal with this. Sometimes when I was a kid, I would fall off my skateboard or I'd fall off my bike and skin my knee and my elbows. And uh, it would scab over. And my mom would tell me, hey, your, your sore is getting infected. You need to pull back the scab and put this ointment in there. And sometimes spiritually, we have to do that. We have to pull off that spiritual scab that that is trying to heal over our wounds because if we don't pull it back long enough for God to, to cleanse it to heal it it gets infected it becomes a problem if there's any youth workers here tonight and you have young people down here at the altar would you come and pray for them I know it's kind of tight afraid of your parents going separate ways. It's time to deal with that. Some of you are afraid because your parents already have gone separate ways. It's time to deal with that. Some of you are afraid of losing your parents because of sickness. Or maybe you already have it's time to deal with that. Just take the scab back a little bit. We allow for the Spirit of God to bring His healing power, His anointing, His ointment of the Holy Spirit. 
those that are afraid of the future. For those that are, of us that are afraid of failing. For those of us that fear being alone. God, we ask you to come in and be a father to the fatherless. To be a brother to those who have lost their brother. To be a friend to those who have no friend. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and be that. Lord, we ask you to take away the pains of words that were spoken over us. We ask you to speak the truth to us, Lord, about who we really are. Who you designed us to be. Pray, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. In the name of Jesus. I think there's a couple more people that are supposed to be down here, but fear has held you back. I really encourage you, don't let this moment pass by. If that's you and you're supposed to be here, come deal with it. Come to the altar. Allow Jesus to do his work. Allow his Holy Spirit to so minister to you that you can move towards the light freely. Father, we pray that you would now begin to turn us away from the pain of the past, the things that we're dealing with at this altar. And we pray that you give us a picture of what lies ahead. Lord, give us a hopeful future. Help us look at what graduating from high school looks like, Lord God. Give us a great picture of what our future looks like, God. Fill us with hope. Fill us with life. Fill us with light. Fill us with a mission and a cause and a purpose, God. Oh, God, I thank you that you now turn our eyes towards what could be. Awaken our imaginations, our creativity, our ability to dream dreams and to hope big. God, give us answers to problems and and ideas to solve world crises and things along those lines, God. Open up our minds to be hopeful of our future and of the, of the future of this world, God. Help us be a force, a light that shines bright in the darkness. In Jesus' name. And if you'd look up this way, I want you to look at this bulb. first start looking at the light, you first start looking at the things of God, it's kind of dim, but you can see it. You can see the glow. But as you begin to walk in the ways of Jesus, you begin to learn of them. That's why it's so important to go to a small group. That's why it's so important to go to UD. That's why it's so important to listen to your youth pastors as they're speaking to you and the cabin counselors that you'll be at with all week because what happens is the light starts to get brighter and every time you start looking back and you start saying oh I would but I can't because of this happened I'm depressed because of this I'll never succeed because of that remind yourself that you're looking at the wrong thing and you need to get start looking at the light again because this is where creativity is this is where we beat the odds 
This is where losers become winners, where zeros become heroes, where people that were lifeless become full of life, people that had no dreams get dreams. And as you begin to follow it, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. But just because you've been following the light doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted to look backwards at what was or what you did yesterday or the day before or even last hour. Every time you're tempted to look backwards, remind yourself of what it could be like and what God has for you. And when you do that, you'll find the result of your life starts to shift. That's what UD Camp is all about. Now, keep this in mind. Just because you're following the light doesn't mean stuff isn't going to happen. If you get home from camp, so many of you are going to go home from camp, and you're going to go into a horrible situation. But it's okay. Because just like God's gotten you through other ones in the past, he'll get you you through it this time. He'll get you through it. He gets you you through it every single time. That's the beautiful thing about following the light. It doesn't mean that you you stop having bad things happening. Well, a lot of bad stuff stops happening just because you quit being so stupid. But, but still stuff happens because people make choices. Your parents make choices. Your siblings make choices. Your friends make choices. The world makes choices. And you live in the world. And you live with your friends. And you live with your parents. And you live with your brothers and sisters. And so their bad choices affect you in a negative way sometimes. But the beautiful thing is God always gets you through it. The song says it like this. I've seen you move the mountains. You move the mountains in my life. You've done it before, you'll do it again. In fact, I think we should sing that. Because as you're following the light, you just have to constantly remind yourself 